With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this is going to be a special episode of the Unofficial Bengals podcast, and I'm going to go over the questions that fans have submitted to Hobson's Choice, which is one of my favorite columns. It's a column by Jeff Hobson that he does on the CincinnatiBengals.com website, and I've been a fan of Jeff's for a long time. So what I've done with this is I've taken a few of the questions, and I didn't read Jeff's answers, so I figured it would be more pure if I just gave you my opinions without being influenced by anyone else. I'd like to thank our sponsor, at Bengals Highlights, on Instagram. Excellent highlights set to some really cool music. You guys definitely got to check that site out. All right, let's get on with the questions. What makes the Bengals different from other teams? So the Bengals are different from a lot of the other teams in the NFL for a few reasons. One, it's the primary business of the family. A lot of the other organizations, like the Cowboys with Jerry Jones or the Patriots with Robert Kraft and a lot of the other teams, they made their money in other industries. Another thing that separates us from the other teams in the league is that we were kind of created as a retaliation to the Browns dissing Mr. Brown and Art Modell firing Mr. Brown after all the success that he had in Cleveland. So we are kind of an offspring of another team, and a lot of the focus has been to be a better franchise than that other team. Another thing about the Bengals which makes them endearing to me and also separates them from a lot of the other teams in the league is they are truly underdogs. No matter how good we are, we're still referred to as the Bungles. We don't get a lot of respect. We've been to two Super Bowls. We've had a lot of success in the last 10 years. But the media and the average fan doesn't seem to see that. They just think that we're bottom dwellers. And that underdog factor, I think, makes us more endearing, more likable, something you want to root for. And when we get that Super Bowl, it's going to be so much more gratifying than the teams that were on top and have all their front-runner fans. One of the other things that separates us from a lot of the other teams is the amount of ex-Bengals that are in the media. Boomer Esiason is one of the most recognizable media figures out there as an ex-Bengal, as is Chris Collinsworth, and he also created Pro Football Focus. You have Solomon Wilcots, you have Bob Trumpy, you even have David Pollock doing the college games. So Mr. Brown always wanted to have intelligent players, and that translates in the fact that we have so many ex-Bengals being prominent members of the media. Do the Bengals have a chance at a winning record this season? Of course we have a shot at a winning record this season. I guess I'm a little bit of a homer, but I go into every season thinking that we're going to go 11-5. and five. But the reality is... We've made a lot of improvements. We've upgraded the defense in free agency. We got the best college quarterback out there, and it's a matter of time before he develops into something really special. I hope it happens right away. The other factors are, I believe that the Steelers and the Browns are in a little bit of a middle-of-the-road category. The Ravens are going to be tough this year, but if we can split with the AFC North, that's going to be very much in our favor. Also, we play the AFC South, and the NFC East. The AFC South is fairly tough, but there are tougher divisions to play. 
And I think the NFC East is a little bit weak right now. So all those things bode pretty well for us. Again, I have to see the schedule. We have to see all the transactions that are made before the season starts and kind of see where everyone's at. Injuries are also going to play a factor, as always. But on paper, there's no reason why we can't have a winning record and even make the playoffs this year. What will be the starting linebacker court on opening day? Barring injury or any acquisitions late in the preseason, the starting linebacker core is going to be Jermaine Pratt, Josh Bynes, and Logan Wilson. I could see them bringing in Davis Gaither for some pass rushing downs, but Carl Lawson is probably going to take a lot of those snaps. So you're probably looking at the three guys I mentioned, and they might be in a nickel and a dime defense a lot of the times as well. So you might see Sean Williams in there as opposed to a third linebacker like they did last year. But the main linebacking core is going to be Bynes, Pratt, and Wilson. Let's hope they all stay healthy. Let's hope they all be productive. And I'm confident that unit will be a solid unit. It's not going to be the best unit on our team, but it is growing. We have a lot of young guys in there. We're going to obviously pick up some more players next year. So linebacker is not going to be a big issue for us in the years to come. And I think we're going to be all right there this year. Will they cut Sean Williams? When they signed Von Bell, the first thing that I thought was, oh, Sean Williams is going to be gone. But after further analysis, I realized we're not that deep at safety right now. Obviously, Jesse Bates is going to be a starter. Von Bell is going to be a starter. Brandon Wilson is going to stick around on the roster because of his return ability. But that fourth spot would probably be best occupied by Sean Williams. I know they have Henderson and there's a couple other guys that are younger guys that are going to be fighting for positions and roster spots. But I'd be pretty happy with that foursome of Bell, Williams, Bates, and Wilson. Williams does bring value to the team because of his leadership qualities, and he's a bigger safety who has the ability to drop down in the box and protect against the run and almost fill in that hybrid linebacker spot that we've been talking about him filling for the last two years. So I don't think they're going to cut him, especially with when they freed up all the money with Andy Dalton. And what do we have, like $24 million in salary cap room right now? So I don't think it's a bad idea to bring him back for leadership purposes and to fit into that hybrid safety linebacker run protector role. Who will be the primary slot receiver? The primary slot receiver is going to be Tyler Boyd. I wouldn't have it any other way. He's a superstar. He's a hell of a player. He's a leader as well. He's a tough guy. He's likable. He's marketable. And he's the best candidate for that position. Now, you do have John Ross, who you figure is probably going to be on the outside at times because of that long-distance speed, but it might be wise for us to use him in the slot position here and there. That way he can keep the bigger defenders off of his body. We can move him around with jet sweeps and motions and screens. So he's a possibility to get some time in the slot, but that position belongs to Tyler Boyd, and it's well-deserved. Why didn't we trade for Trent Williams? Ah, why didn't we trade for Trent Williams? That was something that I really wanted to do, especially when they cleared the cap room with Andy, which you knew they were going to do all along. I wouldn't have minded spending the money on another tackle just for an insurance policy. Now, I know the way NFL teams think. They drafted Jonah Williams high. They want to start using him. He didn't play his first year, so you want to get some value out of this high pick. 
but I truly think it would have been wise to get that veteran in there. And then you would have him and Williams and Hart. So you got three guys to bang around with if there's any problems, if there's any injuries, if there's anything slow developing with Williams or if Hart struggles. Left tackle, right tackle, it doesn't matter. I, I actually would have loved to have seen Williams at left and the other Williams at right tackle. But I understand why they didn't pull the trigger on that. Again, because Jonah Williams is a first-round pick and you don't want to stunt that growth. But those are the kind of things that I wish we would be a little more aggressive on and grab some of those high-profile free agents or available players, like even like a Jadavian Clowney. I know he would be commanding a lot of money. It probably isn't in our best interest. It'd be nice to grab one of them here and there just to throw in, and especially at tackle. That could have just solved the tackle problem, period. And now we wouldn't have any question marks about Williams' ability to stay healthy or his ability to adjust to the NFL because we know we would have Trent Williams in there and we could bring along Jonah Williams as needed or as he developed. Will the Bengals add another veteran lineman? Yeah, I think they're going to bring in another veteran lineman. They do have the salary cap room. I'm not sure who's available still in free agency or who's going to get cut by other teams. Again, you don't really want other teams' leftover guys. But they are definitely going to bring in another guy, another tackle, because you really don't have much experience there aside from Bobby Hart. Why did they draft Logan Wilson over the more highly rated Zach Bond and Josh Jones? So the Bengals chose Wilson and not Bond or Jones for a reason. They have their draft board. They have the guys ranked in order of who they feel would be the best fit for the organization and who are the best players out there. As far as the difference between Bond and Wilson, Wilson is more of an all-round linebacker. Where from what I read, Bond is more of a pass-rushing linebacker. So I think they wanted to get someone who was a little bit better in coverage. As far as Josh Jones goes, a lot of teams passed on him. I thought the Bengals might grab him in round two. I thought the Bengals might grab him in round three. But they didn't, and they didn't for a reason. We don't know those reasons, but that's why they have scouts and draft boards and personnel experts. We just kind of go by the media and what's, what's told to us, you know, the Mel Kuyper rankings that you think, well, this is where the guy should be. But the NFL teams have a, have a different set of criteria that they use to evaluate these guys that we're really not privileged to. So the fact that they didn't take him in the second round, they didn't take him in the third round, means that they probably didn't believe in him as a player as much as they believed in Logan Wilson. So they actually felt that Wilson would be more of an asset to the linebacking core than Jones would be to the offensive line. And if you're going to be a Bengal fan... Let's give Mr. Tobin and Mr. Brown respect and say, hey, there's reasons for this. I'm not going to question why they didn't take these guys because they had every opportunity to. And the fact that they didn't means they're seeing something and they know something that we don't know. McLeavy Minute. Why didn't the Bengals trade Andy Dalton? Well, the reason why that they weren't able to trade Dalton was the salary. The team would have to resume his contract. They probably tried, and even Dalton commented on it, that he wasn't going to get traded because nobody was going to take on the salary. So the Bengals just did the smart thing, cut him. Don't let him come into any off-season workouts with Dalton. Make it the clean transition into the Burrow era and just go with that. So, Tom, how do you feel about Andy going to Dallas? A fantastic fit in Dallas. If I was Dak Prescott, I'd be worried. He better not get hurt. 
and he better not screw up because they will put Dalton in in a heartbeat. Jerry Jones doesn't fool around. This is a signal to Dax Prescott to say, you better be ready and you better get this team far into the playoffs. Will Ryan Finley be the backup this season? Ryan Finley, my feeling is at best a third quarterback on the roster. From what he showed last year, if he somehow improves maybe with a a second year in a system, hopefully he can be a backup. From what I saw last year, they tried every everything they could to push him to take over for Dalton, and he failed. As of right now, he's a third quarterback on the roster, and they should maybe look for a backup, an experienced backup that comes in and knows that's his job, a backup quarterback. You hold the clipboard. If we need you, you can come in and maybe move an offense, but don't think about taking over this team. That'll do it for this episode of the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Next week's episode is going to be a schedule review. I can't wait for that to come out. I'd like to thank our sponsor, at Bengals Highlights. And I'd like to give thanks to a lot of the other Bengals pages that are spreading the word about our team and doing a great job. I also just wrapped up a question and answer session with a gentleman from Seb Talk Sports. You can find him on Instagram. And he's a pretty amazing broadcaster from the UK. And we talk about the NFL's transition to the UK and the possible future of the NFL in Great Britain and overseas. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.